Hey gang! Scooby-Doo's or Scooby-Don'ts is funded by Patreon. Join for early access to special bonus episodes and exclusive material, including the upcoming Scooby-Doo Book Club. Joining is the best way that you can be a part of shaping the material we produce, and we are super thankful to everyone who contributes. Thank you to David Green, Kyle Michaud, Katie Maxwell, Jordan Ferguson, Pablo Corden, Matthew Bang, Blake Sawyer, Ashley Martinez, Dan Reed, Gabriel Pesek, Toj, Jade Core, Wynn Richport, Samuel Chesser, Bradford N. Smith, Page on Gaming, and Alicia Harper for funding this episode. Welcome to Scooby-Doo's or Scooby-Don'ts, the original podcast that painstakingly goes through all Scooby-Doo media in search of those two Scooby-Doo absolutely, or Scooby-Don't under any circumstance. I'm your host, Amelia. And I'm your host, Billy. We're watching All Paws on Deck. And here we be, another episode of Scooby-Doo's or Scooby-Don'ts. Yar. This podcast has grizzled you. It, if anything has, you know it be this podcast. What ho hath occurred with your vo- vo- <clears throat> Can't do it. Lost, lost the pirate tricks at what ho. The look you gave me was shriveling. Yes, listeners, that's right. I'm not really a pirate. That was just a bit. Did it work? No. Well, that's for you to decide. I've decided. That's for you, Amelia, to decide, and you have decided no. Well, that was a bit of fun. Here no, we it are. Wasn't. Here we are, all paws on deck. It's an undersea adventure. Then that... why do we spend so much time on a boat? That's not where the adventure takes place. The adventure is undersea. The rest of the episode is on the boat. I mean, I actually think that's probably a good way to distinguish it. Because, I mean, I don't know, that was my first thought, that, like, uh, the cold open takes place entirely underwater. So I wrote down, this is going to be an undersea adventure. That's something... Stop saying undersea. That's not Isn't that correct. It sounds just awful. I guess it's under the sea. Like Under- saying yeah, there should be a word though. Like saying a porno that just hits the ear all wrong, and you have chosen the next worst thing to that. Under, I guess underwater is just yeah. the word that I'm looking for. I don't need to go all fancy with it. It's just sort of like an, a, a. Stop calling it the sea is what I'm getting at. Okay, call I it can... the big blue fucking wet thing if you have to. I can. I. You know what? Of all the things in this episode I thought we were going to argue about, I didn't think it was going to be the definition of ocean and seas. Well, Be Cool's got me all riled up to fucking 11. <laughs> I can tell. I hate it. We haven't gotten to anything contrary. All I said was they were underwater so You far. said they were under sea. <laughs> the premise... You cannot deny that you said undersea. I can't, I can't deny it. I still feel like it hits the ear right. But, the premise. During the gang's cruise ship vacation, they have a run-in with a sea creature who's hunting for sunken treasure. 
How fascinating. It's, uh, it's bog standard, I'll say. It's, uh, you're not trying for anything uh, too new or revolutionary here. If you're trying to harken back to the good old days, that's the kind of premise that you want to go for. Because I was going to say, there is a history of Scooby-Doo, where are you, going to the big blue wet thing, going under it. I remember praising some of the incredible effects they had for their underwater adventures. Incredible Incredible effects! There was a small filter on it. To make it look more watery. Where they put the cells under a tub of water. Yeah. And then couldn't be bothered to get Shaggy's hair color or voice correct. It's, it was like the one great effect in Hanna-Barbera history. And I will always remember it. Who would you like to start with today? Who cares? I genuinely do. Helps me know where to start. Well then pick one of them. I, I don't like any of them, Billy. I will start with the Shaggy and Scooby shenanigans. Because I have both a fashion report for these boys and a fashion caveat. Because I started off pretty excited with a fashion report. We see Shaggy here. He is in a green floral shirt. It is, you know, it's, it's very cruise ship appropriate. It's got the right vibes. You see Scooby-Doo in his sunglasses. Shaggy's also rocking shorts and sandals, but then, about midway through this episode, they forget it. Shaggy just goes back to his normal clothes as if he said, Okay, vacation's over. Time to throw on my cardigan. Which seems bizarre, because his shorts are the same color as his pants. I assume in the van leading up to the pier, he just made cutoffs. He's ruined his pants. How does he get them back on? (laughs) I see, well, maybe... mm. In the 90s, I would have said he's just zipped them back together, but that hasn't been in style for decades. Well, Shaggy's never been in style once, so... So maybe that's still what's happening yeah. here. But it just makes no sense. Like, you've already gone to the effort of creating this outfit. Is that meant to symbolize, like, he's more serious about the mystery now? Because he's not. I don't think much of Shaggy's story changes. Why would you deny me a costume variant? And that's, that's how I felt here. I felt denied. So Scooby-Don't from Billy. Well, Scooby-Don't for the fashion report. We also get a sort of, let's say, predictable storyline where Shaggy and Scooby are excited about the all-you-can-eat buffet, and they eat the whole thing, and the chefs there take it as a challenge. Are they feeding no one else on this cruise ship? Seemingly not. Then this is a bad cruise. I it want is. my money back. It's a bad cruise. And specifically, I think they are supposed to feed everybody. But I think the challenge of Shaggy and Scooby sort of goes to the chef's heads. Like someone else comes for just a like a plate of breadsticks and they're like, No! We must best the boy and his dog. Then kill him. Toss him overboard. That could have been. Your captain is slowly turning into a pirate. Do you think he would be opposed to making someone walk the plank? No. Kill him. Problem solved. I'm going to spoil something here. You said one of the flaws of this episode was that it was too predictable. How would you have felt if you set up this very predictable storyline, but then twist it at the end that it was the chefs who were being a monster just to get back at Shaggy and Scooby for eating everything at the buffet. Why would they be monsters before Shaggy and Scooby show up? They wouldn't have been. That would have been a plot hole. Also gonna 
really criticize Shaggy and Scooby's approach to this buffet because they take everything at the beginning. They empty out the buffet and put it on their plates. That's in no way how an all-you-can-eat buffet works. You gotta, like, pick and paw at the buffet like that. Just take a little bit, go back when you want more. If anything, they're being more sanitary about it by just taking everything they want at once instead of going back to touch all the tongs and food with their disgusting hands. That's true. That's absolutely true. But buffets aren't built on a sanitary... No, they theme. aren't, and I hope they go extinct after COVID. It kind of looks like they might. Is that it for them? That, that's all I had for them. Uh, disappearing summerware and too much food. There are two notes. Everyone else does have a slightly more interesting storyline. I will say. Well, Says you. with a caveat. <laughs> I'll say for the Velma vision, this version of Velma has a new character quirk. She is afraid of water. She can't swim. And I don't know which comes first here, but she says that humans were meant to live on land. I don't know if that's a moral stance she's taking or just an excuse that she's making up because she doesn't know how to swim. I assume excuse. Mm -hmm. Unless of all the science she believes in, evolution is not it. <laughs> well, she could believe like, look, we evolved away from that. We currently have no evolutionary features that help us in water. To the trees! Uh, excuse me, what about the slight webbing between fingers and toes? I think once you get that in the water, that's not going to help you out much anymore. I've read whole dissertations about this, Billy. You have. Humans should go back to water, is oh. what they were arguing, and I agree! I don't want to live on land anymore, I hate you all, and I will return to the ocean, like my period and the moon times want me to. <laughs> We do very nearly get a flashback that, that tells us what the trauma is, like why Velma can't swim. Oh, thank God we didn't see it. Fred cuts it short. He's like, there's no time. We are literally almost drowning. <laughs> we can't do this right now, Velma. Your flashbacks happen in real time. We didn't need another, oh, a clown shredded my encyclopedias. Exactly. And then held my head in a kiddie pool. It's actually... <laughs> It's the same clown. It's the same clown did both. <laughs> I I would appreciate it if it was the same clown. I would give this episode mad respect. She says son. Don't say son. She says son twice. Statistics. You're in my house now, son. Fuck off. It's not a good look for Velma. Like it it feet that that's like, oh, we're on TikTok playing Fortnite, eating our Donut holes, you kids, let's vape. That's what it feels like. Like, just trying way too hard. What was the moment in Mystery Incorporated? She, uh, oh, when she gets Hebediah Grimm, and she's just like, oh, booyah, gotcha, that felt genuine. Booyah's fine. Because That's a universal. She was celebrating catching a ghost that kept calling her unattractive. You're right, it has that there too. This sort of came out of left field. It feels more like, and I can't remember exactly what this was, but there was a moment in What's New Scooby-Doo where Fred said something like, oh, that's whack. Like, he, he said something super of the time. Yeah. And I was just like, ooh, no. No, Frank Welker's an old, old man. And I know that this, you know, this woman is not an old, old man like Frank Welker. Still feels a little weird to... Yeah, but she's like a nerd. Yeah. Nerds shouldn't try and be cool. Cut that shit out. 
That's what you tell me all the time. Yeah. I told Billy to do something cool just moments ago to prove he wasn't a lamewad, and his first action was yeah. to push his glasses <laughs> up with two fingers from the I, bridge of his nose. My glasses were falling down. <laughs> and Fucking I, nerd. And I needed to adjust them before I did my cool... A 360 flip, or whatever I was going to do. We'll never know now, because you chose to be a nerd first. Velma hassles a waiter like a jerk at one point, because I guess that's like a joke, where she's sneaking along the wall trying to be like stealthy and spy-like, and ooh, look at her go, and then a waiter gets in her way, and she like fucking manhandles this dude. He was just trying to do his fucking job, you bitch. Yeah, they're playing with, like, the planes here, whereas on the top deck of the ship, there's some people talking about, like, the deep intensities of the mystery, and so Velma is trying to eavesdrop on them. But I don't know why she didn't just go around that waiter. Because she's a fucking bitch! It just, it, it just He's stopped. doing his job, lady! And it's just one of those things, uh, a recurring gag now seems to be, ooh, let's stop the action for a moment while we just sort out this this little, and let's just, okay, are we, and then... Like, that waiter's gonna get fucking bitched at if that BLT is late to the fat ass that ordered it on B-Deck. You've ruined that man's life. Vilma also confuses me a little bit, because... A man is turning into a pirate, and she just sort of offhandedly chalks it up to being one of the dangers of water. Yeah, your time at sea will grizzle you prematurely. And once again, be cool, pulling from a well of jokes that have been made so much better in other places. First episode, season four, Arrested Development. When George Michael is clearly <laughs> not a 14-year-old kid anymore, and Ron Howard has to pipe up with, the boy's time at sea had obviously aged him. I mean, that was just a very, very funny acknowledgement of the time that had passed. Yeah, this, that's this fucking is as if hilarious. This man has contracted some sort of pirate virus, and I really feel like Velma should be one of the ones being like, that's not how this works. Yeah, I miss what's new, Mindy Cohen, Velma's, that, like, questioned anything that happened around them instead of just accepting it and saying, Son! Yeah, and, and you can say that she's distracted by her fear of water, her, her disknowledge of, maybe that's it. Like, it's, she's not embarrassed that she can't swim, it's that she doesn't have the knowledge of how to swim. I'm looking into it too deeply. You also, I don't think, made a point that you were making. It's not It's not the swimming. It's not the water. It's, it's not even the practical, this could kill me. It's, I don't know a thing. Why doesn't she just learn it then? Other Velmas would just learn it. Other Velmas would just learn it. Take a class at the Y. The Daphne dilemma. She's got bad blood with dolphins. Oh, God, did that joke ever not land as a joke at the beginning of this episode? Yeah, I wrote down Daphne and dolphins have it out for each other. And there's a part where you think that's going to matter. They're in the chase sequence and the dolphins come up and Daphne's just like, not now. And they fuck off. And it's like, well, this, this could have been so something. And then there is a moment later where she sort of heals that rift with them. She has her moment at the bow of the ship. And she repays them 
the $15 that she owed them. We don't know why. We don't know how this original transaction took place. And quite frankly, I don't want to know. I don't want any more nonsense than I have to have. So when we end this episode that she also has bad blood with literally every other sea creature on Earth. I know they're kind of just throwing things at the wall here, but it's the problem is that that's just what it feels like right now. Like, none of this is deepening who Daphne is. No. I'm not getting a character from Daphne here. I'm getting a, okay, and here's a, a joke for the, like, if this was a, like, C-tier side character, and every time you saw them, it was something different. It's like, okay, that's like a thing that lasts for like a minute in each episode. I can be shocked by how sudden it is. But this is a main character. This is like one of the main four that you are ostensibly trying to to fix a flaw that you perceive. And so far, no good. Like, people can laugh at her shenanigans, but you can't relate to her as a character because no one on Earth is like this. Besides maybe Zoe Dachanel. Was that your target audience with this, I Daphne? I even don't think Zoe has beef with dolphins. I think they have a marvelous relationship. Well, that's literally all I have for Daphne. Yeah, that- it, Dolphins. It took- Oh, and don't forget, at the end of the episode, she also has a similar beef with all other sea creatures. I literally just mentioned that. The Fred Factor. This episode, we meet Fred's cousin, Scott, who always wanted, as a child, to own his own ship, just like Fred always wanted to own the Mystery Machine. Yep. He's been dreaming very small, I assume, because his parents didn't give him enough hugs when he was a baby. Or, like, it could be that, like, I feel like maybe Scott's family was, was a little better off than Fred's family. You know, Fred's family, it's like, his dream was, yeah, own his own van. Whereas, like, for Scott, I would like to have my own cruise business, was where he went. Fred's family, scale it back a bit. But I also will say, in Fred's defense, it is not necessarily a scaled-back dream. Because it's not just a van, it's the mystery machine, which is a high-tech crime-solving vehicle in this series. And I'll defend it because every time we see the inside of the mystery machine, there is actually technology in there. Like, this actually is, quote-unquote, high-tech. This was in my general thoughts or feelings, but at one point, the mystery machine turns into a fully functioning submarine. Do you remember the last episode of What's New, where this, the mystery machine does exactly this in a flooded parking garage? And Velma has such a hard time believing oh, that what... this is possible, that Fred could do this, that this is within human constraints. It was one of her clues that she was in a fucking Blade Runner-esque mindscape. Yes. And like... Yes, I do remember that, in fact. It would not work in a thousand years. And yet here it is! And that's... no one fucking questions it! That's a great pull. I completely forgot about that. That is a great pull. Like... I I can accept logic like that in a show. Like, th this logic, okay, this is Fred's high-tech mystery machine. It can do a hell of a lot. Okay. But, but that, 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 putting it in the context of Scooby-Doo as a whole? That its wheels can suck in somewhere within the, the shell casing and then spit out jet turbines that will work underwater. Like, where the fuck is he keeping all these mods? 
It goes so beyond the what's new. Oh, here's just a ridiculous joke for you to see. Oh, he somehow fit like an extra level on the van. Here's here's an inflatable raft that he put in just in case. Before we actually see it as a submersible, though, I did get this like moment of joy because they they have to sort of unveil that Fred brought the mystery machine on the ship in a packing crate and that it makes no sense for him to bring the van here. And I absolutely loved that as a callback to the old series where they brought that van everywhere, that they would bring their van on a ship. Like, oh, we're going to go to Hawaii? How are we shipping the van? Let's figure that out this week. And that that's a Fred I like. I also liked the moment where uh, it, the mystery machine was sort of stalling underwater, and Fred was getting mad at it. And Shaggy said, It, I thought Mystery Machine was a girl. And he, <laughs> he says, It's an it when I'm annoyed with it. And that felt that felt like a man's relationship to his car. Or so I've been told. Other than that, I will also say that Fred still does not have time for Daphne's nonsense. Good. Good for you, Fred. You're the only one that's not encouraging this. But why are we deepening a rift between Fred and Daphne? This. Don't care. This. Don't care about any of the Be Cool characters. They are not the Scooby Gang. They are not Fraffney. I will not ship them. All right. Well, hey, let's move right away from the Scooby Gang then. Let's move on to minor mentions where I think the burden is lightened a little bit. Again, says you. Uh, the first that we see is uh, a family that is diving. And is it just me, or is this once again taking from the Mystery Incorporated well? Is this not just another shot at the Chevy Chase family vacation model that we've seen? The teen daughter that's totally so over it? The dad that's trying to cheerfully get everyone into it? The mother that doesn't have a single fucking thing to say because she's a middle-aged woman, so fuck her? She does give a stern look to that daughter, so I... It's funny. It's sort of as if Be Cool is like, oh, these fucking kids. That's the message that it's giving. That family is diving with diving instructor Thorne, who is voiced by Matthew Lillard. And it always interests me when Matthew Lillard voices other characters in the series. Why? Because he's not a voice actor. <laughs> because he, it's just always kind of Matthew Lillard. <laughs> An older Matthew Lillard here with a big gray beard. Thorne has a diving partner named Delilah, and as soon as you meet them, it's very obvious they're the monsters. That they're handing off the monster suit under the ocean, yeah. so that it looks like no one person is the monster. Clearly the monster. They're, they're covering for each other by always having one of them with the group, while the other dresses as the monster and, and goes through the motions there. Like, that clicked. As soon as you said it, I'm like, yep, that's what's happening here. It's very obvious. Cousin Scott McDoon. This character, voiced by Diedrich Bader. Why are you so interested in the voices? If there's no character to the character, who cares who the character's voice is? Well, I, I do. Um. <laughs> okay, I was asking for a reason why, but sure, just keep saying I do over and over again. I, I don't, well, okay. I think that Different voice actors can add different levels of character to a role. Even when they're just using their regular 
this is my voice voice. I think it also like helps in this format where we're just discussing it to just sort of click who that character is that we're talking about. Okay, fine. Um, he, it's Billy's favorite, Diedrich Bader. He is Fred's cousin. He is a cruise director. Or not a cruise director. He's, he's like the owner of this cruise line. He calls himself the captain. What do you have to do in your life to rise to that rank? Is it through the military? If you are a cruise ship captain, have you come out of the military? I think you just have to buy a boat. I think once you buy a boat, it's like saying driver. On a, on a land. But he's not just driving the boat. He's got a whole crew below him. If this ship sinks, he has to go down with it. I don't think he will. I think he's a coward. Well, he's, he says he's going through the everyday stress of running my own cruise. And uh, as we joked about at the beginning, slowly turn, not slowly, quickly turning into a pirate. From all the stress that this is grizzling him. I think it's not a pirate. I think it's just an old sea dog. He has a hook and a parrot. that re- And an eye patch. When did he get a parrot? D- near the end, he has a full-on parrot. Well, that's stupid. Why wouldn't he just become grizzled? I, parrots flock to grizzled old men, apparently. Maybe they're carrion birds who want to eat their deceased flesh. Not, that's not why parrots are with pirates. They're not like vultures. Uh, there is also cruise director Wendy uh, Paolo, who is a sea hag. She's a crazy old woman, super crusty and gross. She is the cruise director. For those that don't know, that means she's in charge of organizing activities and making sure passengers aren't bored. And so she's which been... is a really bizarre job. I yeah. mean, other like. She has to babysit all these people on the ship, like, in case what? If one person gets bored, suddenly there's a mutiny? It's it's like, hey, come come aboard this fun cruise. We have this person to make sure you don't commit suicide while you're here. Kinda, right? Like, you're not gonna get cabin fever, because we have planned activities. Uh, and then there's the chefs. There's a group of chefs. Uh, they seem determined not to lose this all-you-can-eat buffet battle with their customers. Mm-hmm. But I do think they probably should have shut Shaggy and Scooby down when they piled so much on their plate. So not good chefs, because they're not thinking about the whole cruise. Are Shaggy and Scooby in their regular clothes at the beginning of this? There is no yes. consistency here. My fashion report, I, I'm, gonna, I'm going to submit it to the Bureau. Who's the villain of this episode, Amelia? Some beast at bottomless lake type water monsters. Yeah, I recognize the villain. When we saw the beast of bottomless lake, did we see him underwater? Or did we only see him sort of like climb up? Oh lord, I can't remember. It's been, it's been a long it time. Was a thousand fucking years ago. Well, I thought it was really interesting to see the beast of bottomless lake in the water here. If it is a new environment for the design, that is a reason to do it but i mean third episode second recurring villain at this point we also get to see two of them they are as the lore goes this whole area of the ocean is filled with sea monsters and in order to pass through safely ships have always had to dump their most valuable cargo as an offering that's why this area was called bribery bay and hey That seems like a great place to run a scam. 
they're pillaging an historical site because I guess all this garbage at the bottom of the sea is protected. I don't know by who. What country's like, like the, jurisdiction yeah, is this? Like only this cruise has rights to pass through this area. So I would say, I mean, it's called a bay. It's definitely close enough to land that it would be owned by a country. So it probably does have some like legal protections there. But uh, yeah, it is. At the same time. Once again, not really a crime. I mean, the ghost of Vasquez Castle. I will bring this guy up until the day that I die. He was looking for 500-year-old treasure on an island that belonged to nobody. Oh. He committed no crime. Taking a shiny thing you find at the bottom of the ocean? They can try and tell you that's a crime. It's fucking not. I, well, I differ here. Vasquez Castle, by all rights, go take whatever you want. No one's looking. Here, it, it, if it is a designated historical cultural site, I think they are in the wrong to take it. I think the country should probably also set up maybe some better restrictions, maybe have no crews go through. If, if this is actually close enough to a landmass to be claimed by a landmass, there's no way something that... There, there's gold treasure chests, there are giant rubies down there. There is no way they are not dredging that quote-unquote historical dumping site for all that treasure for the country. They're not going to let it sit at the bottom of the sea. At the very least, they're going to put it in a museum. I think this is far enough out that no one technically has dibs on it, and up to this point, it's just been like, don't take your cruise ship there, guys. But then... Cousin Scott comes along and he was just like, well, but what if? And then just does it. Yeah, I think if you're going to have to be protected, you need to have no one going through it would really help. And also, if you want to get our believability there, maybe have it be not just treasure, but also maybe if it's like a protected sea habitat. Like maybe there is some endangered species of coral, of coral that are growing on these wrecks and stuff. And, and that is what they're protecting. But no, right now they are protecting trash, which could be treasure, could be a grandfather clock, could be the small charcoal grill that Shaggy and Scooby brought with them for some reason. How quickly they start dumping their own belongings over the side of this ship. <laughs> it's true. Now, I will ask, is it feasible for a team of professional divers to dive and take treasure? Sure, why not? It happens all the time. Why wouldn't it be? Is this Beast of Bottomless Lake knockoff scary? I'm finding it very hard to convince myself in any regard that this series is scary. Up to this point, I've always tried to look at the monsters objectively enough to be like, okay, if I saw that in a back alley, uh, it would probably be a three. But A, the art style is killing any atmosphere, any anything for me. B, We've seen these fucking monsters before. It's very what hard for me to rank to a recurring feel monster. About them. I gave them a two because I'd like sea monsters in general. This has nothing to do with them, though. Oh, yeah. like, by the way, 100% confirmed, it is the professional divers. We oh, never officially no. said it was Delilah and Thorn. You could, but also, can I just say, Thorn, that is a protected name in Scooby Doo. I know, you can't why give that you to anyone. Give it to this gray-haired <laughs> bald man. Are we almost done here, Billy? Yeah, we're almost done. I'll give my ranking as well. I, 
I agree with your points on it's very hard to find these monsters scary. I went with a 5 out of 10 because a bunch of... A, we see two of them at one point, so there's sort of an unknown number of no, sea monsters down here. There's absolutely only two because we as the audience absolutely know it's the divers. There's no mystery I'm, here. All right. Undersea monsters is a good concept. In general, there's a reason it hooked on in mythology. But that's where I will end. Do you have any other thoughts or feelings for this episode? Just a couple very general things. Another art style note. Everyone has huge clown feet that I hate. Um, the Scooby-verse continues this thing where dive helmets are always enclosed. And even though there's like no intercom or anything on them, they can always hear each other <laughs> speaking. Yeah. And that this is the first chase song that gets lyrics. And I don't like the chases in this series because of the total lack of sound effects or anything else happening during them. They feel so barren. They just slapped a song on it to keep your interest. I mean, I don't have a problem with that. that... You don't have a problem with anything, seemingly. I didn't like this chase sequence as much as the last one. The last episode's chase sequence has been my favorite of the series so far. I couldn't even tell you one second of the last chase sequence. They, it's so forgettable. They were on the slides. They were on the fun, dry water slides. Um, I So, yeah, first lyrical chase song is a note that I wrote down. I also think it's worth noting that the ship they're on is the SS Casey. A nice little uh, spotlight on a man who's no longer with us. But other than that, I think I know what your answer is going to be. Is this a Scooby-Doo or a Scooby-Don't? Scooby, don't. This series has done nothing to win me over. Three episodes in. I, I think I might join you on that don't. There were too many things that I thought were just sort of there as a joke, and it, it was joke above character. Am I giving it a don't for the fact that they changed out of their cruise clothes? If that's what it takes to get some negativity out of you, then yes, you are. Maybe. All right, let's let's skip this one. Let's skip all pause on deck. Coming up next is Poodle Justice. Poodle Justice. Where Dead Justice comes back and he has a poodle now. No, where Dead Justice comes back and that means Knight Rider can also come back. Yes! Thumbs up! Oh my god, bring back Silent Dancing Man. Bring <laughs> back Silent Dancing Man. Listeners, if you are Silent Dancing Men, then you probably use Twitter to get out your thoughts and feelings. Give them to us. I can be found at the Billy Seaguire. Amelia is at Fatal Amelia. And we could be found collectively at Scooby underscore Doos. Do I need to script every? I thought every that was a great. That was a good transition. That one was clear. You can also find all our old episodes on our WordPress, Tumblr, and YouTube, all under Scooby Doos or Scooby Don'ts. We have a Patreon page. I have my own personal YouTube page under Fatal Amelia, and uh, I don't know. We got Instagrams too. I'm also there under Fatal Amelia. I'm there as the Billy Seaguire. No, it's you don't have a the on your oh. Instagram. Well, you know what? I trust our listeners to f to figure out when I'm lying. And on that note, is it from Scooby Dooby Us? To Scooby Dooby You.
Because maybe I'm lying right now. Maybe that wasn't to Scooby-Dooby them. <laughs> <laughs>